the 21st century version of the Soviet Union is definitely not China. And the Cold War was also really a fight of communism and capitalism. And this is over. Communism has failed everywhere and luckily disappeared in all modern societies. People often reject to believe what they don't understand or what scares them. With Dragonfolio China, you have the unique chance to truly understand a frequently misconceived country and an inevitable shift in the 21st century. Just lean back and enjoy a fascinating journey through China that will astonish and reward you. Niemann hao guys, and welcome to the next episode of the Dragonfolio China podcast. My name is Eric, and today I will address an extremely crucial topic that concerns many of us because it is closely linked to global peace. With Christmas approaching, I want to take away some unnecessary fear. I'm not creating hope or, you know, just want to create a positive atmosphere where there's no reason for it. But I want to give you some insights and a future outlook on a dispute that is often totally misunderstood and that leads to a lot of misconceptions. And I want to clean up a bit here and tell you what I think about this entire topic. As a disclaimer, me and the entire Dragonfolio China platform, we are rather apolitical. So this episode, as always, is not about politics itself. It is more about the general overall picture. And eventually I look at economy and society, not so much on governments and political systems. I'm going to mention them here just for the sake of completeness. So everything I say here is based on my economic and business knowledge, taking into account what I learned throughout the last years in Europe, in the United States, in China and throughout my traveling. So what is the topic of this episode? Well, it's basically exactly what's in the title of this episode. There is no second or new Cold War. So the title of this episode was not a clickbait. It is the message that I want to bring across today. And of course, I will give reasons for that. So first of all, we have to look at the origin of the first Cold War and the only Cold War that we know so far. So the Cold War, as we know, was a kind of rivalry between the two major powers at this time. And that was the United States and Russia after the Second World War. So this was basically a political economic fight without any weapons. So the resources were quite limited. It was more propaganda fight. And that is the primary reason why it was called a cold war because there wasn't actually any fighting it just created permanent tensions and a sort of cold atmosphere with some regional conflicts and proxy wars so it was a conflict of political and economic systems you had on one hand a very left-wing government and you had a capitalist government so russia intended to spread communism worldwide And America didn't really like this. And that went on for, yeah, you know, a couple of decades until basically the Soviet Union crashed. And so if you ask today who won this Cold War, well, communism was defeated in Europe at least. So you can say technically the US won this war. 
And now we often speak of a new Cold War. It first, I think, popped up around 2013, where some academic writers started to speak of a new Cold War. They were also partly referring to the US and Russia, in the first place at least. But then, especially after the Trump election 2016, it became more and more China with the United States. And today, basically, wherever you read about this, the new Cold War, they normally refer to the US and China. The media loves this term now. Like, there are only those two countries. Um, and yeah, that's, that's where we are today. I mean, of course, this was further, further pushed through the trade tensions, which, which started, I think, in 2018. And while you can claim whether it's actually a trade war or not, uh, or just daily business, I think it gets way too much attention or got too mu way too much attention lately. Anyways, shortly after, it turned into a more in a stage of technological dispute. This is where we are right now. It's mostly a verbal fight. There are not too many serious steps taken, but of course there are um, a few. A few events like Huawei got banned in a lot of places and China got limited supply to some semiconductors. So, of course, there are there were a few things that happened um, in the meantime. And now let's let's have a look at is the Cold War that we had back between the US and the Soviet Union, is it comparable in any way to what we see now between the US and China? And I think the similarities are very limited. The only big similarity that I see is that the two most powerful countries in the world have some serious tensions and they disagree, obviously, on a couple of important aspects. So at the end, this is a rivalry. And I believe that this is pretty much where the similarities end. Let's call it what it really is. It's an economic competition and power struggle. I believe that this competition is a permanent power contest. It's also some kind of a healthy competition. Nobody cared about China 40 years ago. Now everyone does. You must work very hard to deserve the hate of others. And the competition that you see now between the US and China mainly of course, there are some other Western countries, there are some other um, countries from the East, but mostly it's these two countries. This is a competition that's probably going to take much longer than the Cold War back in the day. It maybe even goes beyond the century, most likely, if I think about it. Yes, it will, it will continue. So, for me, it's a competition, not a war. That's uh, number one. Some people, however, they are... They fear that this tensions might escalate and then we have a new Cold War. And of course, given China's size and its importance to the global economy and also, and also at the end, technology, an escalation between Washington and Beijing would indeed bring a lot of costs that are severe. And I mean, not just, you know, influencing directly human lives but also very severe secondary victims right you could see that now when you had some trade tensions there were more taxes and of course some business suffered and yeah but it was still to be honest no one no one died from it and i 
strongly believe that this is not going to change in the future. We don't see a lot of victims because of these two countries. So why do I believe that? During the Cold War, there wasn't really a business interest between, between the two countries. There was hardly any dependency. And this is why a real war, where they basically put out weapons, was not totally out of the question. It was possible. And that scared the crap out of some people because there was a real nuclear threat. I'm not sure how likely it was at the end, but it was at least conceivable. Instead, today, the US and China trade between those two countries is extremely important. And you have to understand that the interests of private forces in a society today have a large impact on how governments act. If you're not able to understand what drives those private interests and how they influence governments today, it is hard to understand that governments today, like in China and the US, will not turn to a point where they start another cold war or a real war. The economic ties are simply too tight and so no one can afford this. There are business interests and people who have much more power than some politicians or political party. That's the that's a very crucial point that you must understand. Don't be so naive to believe that one guy in America, Germany, Russia, China, you name it, has full control and simply can start a war nowadays or a permanent cold war. This is very important. The world today is not in the hand of some dictators or rulers anymore. I mean, except a few spots on the on the global map, there are still a few countries which are which are like this, but none of the developed countries, none. There's much more behind this. Such things are incredibly complex. And I don't claim that I understand them because, again, I don't really care about politics. So I don't understand all the political systems until the very last detail. But I understand business and economics well enough. And I see how companies are managed and how they operate and how they interact and how they influence governments. Mutually, the government also influenced these businesses, right? No question, no doubt about it. And once you understand this and once you connect all the dots, then you know that there is no new Cold War, neither is there a third world war. In the end, money is preventing this. Capitalism does not allow big wars anymore. Very important. A few proxy wars remain, like whether it's in Hong Kong, whether it's maybe in the Middle East, I don't know yet. Well, but this is just to blow off some steam and otherwise probably a lot of reporters um, would become unemployed and Twitter's market value would probably drop close to zero. So yeah, we, we need some, we need some latitude at some places. Yes. But overall, the free market economy and globalization hold the world together and mostly will make sure that we can live in a peaceful environment in those countries which commit to our modern world. Globalization is another important aspect that you have to understand. The world is more dependent on each other. As I said, when COVID broke out, for instance, this year, 
Many experts claim that we have to become more self-sufficient again and we have to reverse globalization. Oh my god, sorry guys, I was nearly peeing my pants. Who is going to pay the price for this? And who is going to trigger such a move in the long term, let alone to take responsibility for reversing globalization? Guys, come on. Globalization and the free market economy have brought so much wealth to us. And this is even further increasing, not only for the rich people, though this is what some people want to believe and make other believe. No, the wealth is further increasing and the majority of people is participating. And this, of course, also gives some security. This is why we live safer than ever, although we sometimes don't feel that or don't realize it. It's actually very, very true. With respect to China, well, China basically never started a war out of its own borders. Most of the damage they did was to themselves. Of course, China is way more dominant than they used to be. They want to have more meat from the bone. But the military, for instance, is merely seen as a defense. And also, if you compare China back to the Cold War with Russia and the US, so if you say, is China... Would it take the position of the Soviet Union? No, because China is not a communist country anymore. They agree with a lot of things that the US does. They were inspired by the US. Right now they have a more ca more capitalist system than many countries in Europe, for instance. The 21st century version of the Soviet Union is definitely not China. And the... Cold War was also really a fight of communism and capitalism. And this is over. Communism has failed everywhere and luckily disappeared in all modern societies. We know, as I speak, there are still a few countries which have very socialist communism patterns. And yeah, I mean, look how they do. So China went another way. And for China, globalization, without doubt, generated strong economic independence as well. And of course the US now, on the other hand, they want to keep their strong position. And they still control a lot of important value chains. And they want to use them to assert their geopolitical interests. That's very normal. China mm, created a new power imbalance, you can say so, in the global economy. And so... It takes some time until we see a more balanced world economy again, where countries accept and perhaps found their new role. What we see now on the way to maybe a new power balance is that we have temporary economic decoupling. And that is the power struggle between US and China. So you have, of course, um, you know, if you have an earthquake, then there are a few houses that break down. But it's normal, that's an adjustment. And everyone wants to have the best possible geopolitical dominance. And yeah, that's already partly bad enough because it has some influences on, on particular economies and businesses. But it's gonna, it's only going to a certain point. Yeah. I don't know how it exactly will turn out. But I mean, already now as I speak, it got a bit calmer. We don't know. Maybe. The next year is still going to be tough, but it's going to continue in some way, but not as some people want to make us believe. Another really important aspect that you have to take into consideration as well is, of course, the cultural aspect. So a lot of countries 
have a hard time to swallow that the most powerful country one day, perhaps, has a very different culture and, and at the end a very different political system. So they have very low sympathy with China. This is why we also see, of course, a certain fight of culture rather than economics and politics in some ways. This is, of course, going to continue. Uh, you want to you wanna preserve your own culture and perhaps also convince others that you have the best one. That's also very normal and human. There's nothing, I don't know, it's, uh, I don't think it's something we should judge on. Of course, there are certain borders which I think you shouldn't cross if you permanently shame others for their culture. But up to a certain point, super normal. Has never been different, will never be different. And of course, China wants to be taken seriously as well. As I said, that's very important for them. There is always pride on, on all sides. It's about keeping face as well and it's about showing power. Who got the nuts, right? So while the competition will not stop, I think a lot of the critics that we see will not translate into actions. It's more a war of words and a blame game. Though perhaps you wonder, okay, but what is it that those countries are really afraid of each other? Well, of course, you have the military. That's at least a potential threat. Yeah. So you want to be at least able to defend yourself just in case. But the major threat for both countries is the currency of the other one. China, of course, sees the US dollar still as a certain threat. It gives the US a lot of power, economic power, first and foremost. And the US is more afraid than anything of the renminbi, the Chinese currency. Why? Well, that would be actually a very economic topic and probably a bit too much for today. But let's put it that way. If the renminbi is, is used much more for transactions in the world than it is right now. And so the US currency, which is right now the key currency in the world, is the dominant currency. If this would change, so if let's say the the crude oil price, gold, Bitcoin, everything uh, would be traded in renminbi, well that would give that would give China a lot of power. And that is of course something the US really cares about. Yeah. But you're not going to read about this in a in a you know in a newspaper or on me on social media, right? No, no, no. They tell you it's all about national security. That's bullshit. I mean, take Huawei. Huawei is a manufacturer of hardware. The software on these devices is mostly American companies. If they deliver Huawei device to the United States, at the end, they there's American software running on it, namely Android from, from Google Alphabet, right? Ask any expert in this field. I'm not a technical expert. Ask any expert. Ask an American technical expert. He will tell you that you cannot really do espionage on a device just because you have the hardware if the software is, 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 is not yours. So all this, what, all this, you know, um, spy and espionage and whatever, conspiracy for instance is just an excuse i mean I, I don't judge here i understand the game it's business competition but 
This is what we often see as a cold war. We say technological cold war. It's just a lot about business and that's how the, how it works. And China is doing the same. It's a bit ironic because now America partly uses the China's own weapons of defense as part of business and they make a big show around it. But again, that's how it works. You didn't invite me to your party, so I do the same to you. That's like what we know already from kindergarten on. It works like this. And why should, why should it be different in the, in the big world out there? So in the end, I want to end this show on a more positive note. Um, I think it's important that you realize that you should not be so afraid that you don't have to believe everything that you read every single day. It's not about following any conspiracy theories. It's just about sometimes scrutinizing a bit or sometimes just thinking, is it really that bad? Chinese and Americans are actually collaborating every single day much better than headlines tell us. Statistics show quite clearly that until a decade ago, both countries had a lot of sympathy for each other. This changed a bit lately, frankly speaking, because of some messages that were sent by some leaders and media channels. But the countries didn't change that much. And it's also not like some people suddenly woke up and said, boy, we are in deep shit, we have to hate the other country. No. A lot of Chinese... They show great respect for the U.S., they admire them, they got inspired by them before. The U.S. is seen much better in China party than, than you would think, and the same in America. A lot of Americans are fascinated by Chinese. They have also high respect for their achievements, for their technical achievements, for, for, for the culture. A lot of learn Mandarin these days. When I'm in China, and sometimes I'm approached by Chinese people, they always take me for American, I don't know why, but they first ask me simply, Megoren, which translates to, are you American? And you already can tell that it's not like they they really hold something against Americans. And I met so many Americans in, in China and elsewhere, and they, they like China, and it's it's not about blind love. It's just about having respect, and this respect is much higher than than we often believe because what we read. So... Think about this, digest it a bit. I mean, you have a couple of holidays coming up. And if, um, yeah, you found this, this topic interesting and maybe you think there are some other people who should know about this, who should at least think about this, feel free to share this episode. I think it's important and I predict it's going to be a more popular episode. And, uh, yeah, I hope that, that, um, people, um, really think about this and see more positively um, what is really happening and put some trust into smart people in these countries who are going to determine a successful way um, for all of us. So this is the last episode of this year. Um, I want to say thank you to um, all my Listeners, to my audience, I appreciate both the support uh, this year and also the feedback I received. I started this podcast actually this year in the beginning of January. This was the 29th episode and right now I release them on a monthly basis. I plan to continue to do so uh, in the next year as well. Um, I enjoy it very much and as long as I have enough listeners, 
I will <clears throat> definitely continue to do so. Um, I want to, of course, say Merry Christmas, depending on when you hear this, and also wish you a Happy New Year. I think for a lot of us, it's going to be a more exciting year, because this year obviously was a bit lame, partly. And um, yes, my, my next episode, I'm probably going to release it um, in, in the mid of January. It's going to be the 30th episode, and as I promised, every 10th episode going to be a bit more personal, so you can get to know me a bit better. I don't know exactly the topic right now. But I assume I will talk a bit about my plans next year. Unsurprisingly, this is of course China related because I plan to return to China. Let's see when this is possible. And um, yeah, with this, um, Happy New Year and see you in 2021. Thanks for listening to the Dragon Folio China podcast. As you've kept listening until now, I assume you enjoyed the show and would appreciate a five-star rating on your podcast app, which allows other folks to learn about this important topic as well. For more fascinating insights into China and for easy ways to benefit, make sure to visit the website at dragonfolio.net.